It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ashley Webster. I'm Kennedy. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, October 26th, 2023. I'm John Saucier. It has happened again in this country. Just saying that, you already know what I'm talking about. Yet another mass shooting, this time in a place not used to being in the national news for these types of things, Maine. Small towns are shut down as police look for a highly skilled suspect. If you're running this thing, as Colonel Ross is for the state police up there, the state police have the ticket on this, they're the lead agency. They have to start planning for the long term because this might not be a quick solve. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. If it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. Mass shootings have been a big problem across the United States in recent years, but yet here we are talking about another one. A 40-year-old suspect walking into a bowling alley, then later a bar in Lewiston, Maine, and opening fire on innocent victims. This man remains at large as of the recording of this podcast, but finding him is going to be a dangerous proposition. First of all, there seems to have been some planning here. He went into the thing with uh, what looks to be uh, military gear on. He's got the combat pants. They look to be bulging with, I would assume, extra magazines because he did a lot of shooting. We're speaking today with Paul Morrow, attorney and retired NYPD instructor. Very clearly, he knows how to handle that weapon. He is reportedly a firearms instructor. So the point is, he is just not somebody who decided to do this, doesn't know what they're doing, picks up the gun, it jams, drops it, and runs out of the place. He knows what he's doing. Furthermore, depending on the level of his uh, expertise, he has this other skill set, which is apparently he's a hunter, he's a fisherman, he knows the terrain up there. That makes him that much more difficult to track down. Further, as you allude to, he's got military background, right? So, does he know how to target law enforcement in other ways? I would never have gone, I'm sure they did this, I wouldn't have gone into his house before I had ESU, well, that's the NYPD version SWAT, let's call it, that's what people know, SWAT team go in and clear the house to make sure it's not booby-trapped. Because this guy strikes me as the kind of guy that, might do that kind of thing. And we've seen that those kinds of things in the past. This is starting to coalesce into something that feels like a sort of me-against-the-world event. I don't know it's ever going to be really comprehensible to us. These things never make sense. And he's capable of anything, and it feels like the kind of thing now, now that he's not sort of going right at the police, he's, he's evading them, almost feels like he's playing games. He had his escape planned, et cetera. This is the kind of thing where law enforcement really has to be careful for all the reasons you state, because he's a capable guy, despite the fact that he's clearly very disturbed. Yeah, the whole idea of wrapping our heads around why, I mean, that's going to take a long time. Let's try and catch him first and figure out what we can. What do you think that law enforcement are going to do to try and bring this guy in? Because presumably if he has escaped somewhere and maybe he is using outdoor survival skills, I read something about with the fall of night, they may be able to use some heat tracking devices. What exactly are they going to do to try and catch this guy? Well, first of all, they're definitely better off during the day, um, just for obvious reasons. You can see what you're doing. But also the, in, uh, the intelligence aspect of it, the 
um, investigation aspect of it, trying to figure out, get a real good, clear picture of his life, what he's been spending his money on. Has he bought survival stuff? Has he bought things that could indicate he's been building bombs or something like that? Um, his his uh, digital footprint, you can get into his phone, his computer, maybe get into the cloud, into his financials. All those things happen much more easily during the day, okay? Uh, yet at night, you can get people out of bed and you try to get them to help you, but really during the day is what you need. So they can see him. They can do all of that other stuff, but it's already getting late in the day. We're going to get end up potentially at one point here into going into day three with this guy. And now you have to start to say to yourself, okay, well, what are you going to do at night? And you have to be extra careful. You know, you got the dogs. You allude to the, uh, the the temperature reader. That's a FLIR, they call it. I forget what it stands for, but it's just a device that reads the heat signature. One of the things that they use to catch uh, Danilo Cavalcante, the escape bee from prison. So that thing does work. And who knows? Maybe that's going to be the thing that does it for us here. But Maine is an enormously rural area. I've actually been to Lewiston, outside of Lewiston, which presumably is where he is. It's very rural, and Maine is a big, big state. It goes all the way to Canada, and you got a lot of waterways. And there's some indicia that he has a couple of boats. Yeah, that was another thing I wanted to ask you about. And by the way, I'm originally from Maine, grew up there, so I know exactly what you're talking about as far as the vastness of the forest and just how many places there would be for anyone to hide, but especially so with someone with this type of training. Now, with this type of story, we know the manhunt's going on, but we don't know where this guy is, nor where his motive is, but we're hearing a number of different things about a possible way he escaped. What have you heard about the idea that maybe he had a boat and got out that way? Speculation. I have not heard any hard facts that we can really marry. Same. We can look at some of the, we can look at some of the atmospherics, right? The, the car is found halfway to his house in Bowdoin, which is not his house. It appears he was living with relatives. So last known address doesn't come back to him. It comes back to relatives. Halfway there in a town called Lisbon, they find his car abandoned. Why is that significant? Because near where they found the car, quite near, there is a landing for a river. In other words, a place you could launch a boat or something like that. If you had a boat, if you had some kind of watercraft there, there's some reporting out that he escaped on a jet ski. I'm taking that with a grain of salt until I see something much more uh, concrete. But we do know that he does seem to have owned a watercraft, at least one, potentially two. There's a lot of photos in social media of him on the water, what looks like a river. A lake would be better. It's contained, you know. A river goes and goes and goes, and you can get off at any point on the river. And the river that he's near is quite long, leads into the other states. If he planted that well, and he had a fast boat there, and he left the car there and got into a boat that was uh, near the landing, now you got a real problem. Because with every day that goes by here, the perimeter has to expand. We saw that with Cavalcante again. Danilo Cavalcante escaped from prison. They had to keep expanding the perimeter until they ultimately did find him. Well, this perimeter could go God knows how far if they're not getting him. And remember something. There are things like, let's say, Eric Rudolph, the abortion bomber. That guy was loose for seven years. So if you're running this thing, as Colonel Ross is for the state police up there, the state police have the ticket on this. They're the lead agency. They have to start planning for the long term because this might not be a quick solve. A mass shooter in Maine has a military background, is a firearms instructor, and apparently a recent history with mental health struggles. We're learning more about this 40-year-old male shooter who police are looking for after he allegedly killed 18 people on Wednesday night. 
Our guest today is attorney and retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow, who says taking this suspect into custody is going to be difficult. Also difficult, the conversation about gun violence in this country and what we need to do right now to stop it. We'll get into that coming up next. Paul, uh, the state police have been asking for the public's help. The whole see something, say something, obviously a big factor in this. How big of a factor do you think that tips from the public are going to be? Because this case, you brought up a number of other cases. This one actually reminds me of the hunt for the Boston Marathon bomber back in 2013, where we had the suspect on the loose, the huge area, no clue where he was. And it turns out he's hiding in the backyard of some guy's boat. And that boat owner happened to notice the boat cover just looked a little bit different. And this is how the bomber was discovered what are the chances that maybe the community might spot something in this instance let's hope so um this guy is lethally dangerous so i just hope that anybody who sees something calls the police and doesn't try to approach or investigate um i was uh somewhat involved i had a, uh, one of my lieutenants up there during the boston uh, event and we had information and that's out now you know it's in the documentaries and everything that when they carjacked that guy, they said that they were going to New York. Now, right. uh, we here in New York thought, oh, okay, and you can imagine the reaction here, and we did all sorts of stuff. Uh, that's another podcast. But um, I bring it up because what, is, what does it show you? It shows you that you can be looking far and wide. You can be scrambling every asset that you have. And then at the end of the day, a block away from where there are 60 cops, a citizen sees a tarp that's a little bit moved, and that ends up being the solve, because that, you're exactly right. A citizen noticed that there was something off with the tarp, and that was ostensibly an area that the cops had already gone over. So, and I'm not criticizing those cops. They were running around in a, in a fog of war trying to stop after a horrific event. But my point is, you're right. You're going to need, hopefully, you're going to need good eyes and ears from the citizens here. Somebody's going to spot them. His face is all over the place people up there know him so if he's trying to go to an old girlfriend's house or something you have to hope somebody gives him up but i'm starting to think he's actually gotten out of the area and that's even more problematic so fortunately we're not going to say his name but his his face is everywhere and you got to hope that somebody picks him out someplace and then uh, we can get him before there's any more loss of life Paul, I mentioned you earlier in this podcast that I'm from Maine, and you talked about the rural area, but there's a culture there. And in Maine, you're geographically isolated kind of from the rest of the United States. And there's kind of a feeling there of you see all this crazy news going on in the rest of the country, and you think to yourself, wow, okay, it's terrible, but it's, that type of stuff just doesn't happen here. And I think that that kind of conversation has happened in a number of communities and now add Maine to that where this stuff doesn't happen here and all of a sudden it has happened it's just even more shocking in a place that's relatively quiet it's not a state that we do a lot of huge crazy news stories about i'm just wondering what can be done about this because this has played out over and over and over again with these mass shootings and a gunman who may have had some sort of mental health background and we look at it afterwards and we say wow that person shouldn't have had a gun and why is this person so accessible to guns what what are some steps we can actually take because the story keeps playing out but it's just been the same over and over again yeah we're, we're really in a a uh, sort of death match with this issue and it's it's really it's torturous and you know you're uh, you remind me of the atmosphere a little bit in idaho after the quadruple killing of the uh you know uh, allegedly of uh, brian kohlberger 
uh, out in Idaho in the sense that this is not something that's supposed to happen here. And for the first time in my life, actually, this past summer, I was up in Maine, and I was, you know, really taken with the place because it's breathtakingly beautiful. And that I now transpose what's occurred over that, you know, I have an appreciation for the shock that you're talking about. So what can be done? Very tough in a nation that has a Second Amendment. That's a constitutional right, in right in the Bill of Rights. It's not first, and there's a reason the First Amendment's first, because it's the most important one. But we put it second, and that's an indication of what the Founding Fathers meant and how sacrosanct that right is to a great many Americans. So you have that, and at the same time, you have the conditions that you're talking about. If I can mention briefly, Maine has something called a yellow flag law. It's different from a red flag law. About 20 states have a red flag law. Any member of law enforcement or a family can petition the court. It's a civil process to overcome the Second Amendment to say, this guy has mental health issues. You've got to take the guns. We've got to get due process, but we've got to get him treatment, but no guns during the, court, during the period that the judge sets. Here in Maine, they have a yellow flag law. What's the distinction? Only law enforcement can do that petition. That is the cops or prosecutors. It's a very different thing. So you allude to his mental health issues, reportedly two weeks in a mental health facility. It's not clear that law enforcement was involved in that, despite the fact that, according to that reporting, he was making threats against the base. So part of the investigation when this whole thing is open over rather sooner rather than later, hopefully, there's going to be a look back to say, were the cops involved in this? Were they not? Why not? And if they were, why was a yellow flag not issued? Because Maine has done it. They've done it successfully. They've used it about 60 times. And it's been so successful in a state. New England's very strong in the Second Amendment. Vermont, New Hampshire, while they tend blue, they're red on the Second Amendment because you have this frontier culture. There's a lot of outdoorsmen. There's a lot of outdoor culture. And that's the sort of dynamic up there. And with a yellow flag state, Maine, I believe, is the only one. It was working, and it was considered a model, but now you have this, and this is going to be a real test of it. I have no simple answer for that. I wish I did. All I can say is that at least we're considering it, and um, you know, maybe red flag law is all the way to go because the yellow flag law here didn't work. A lot to consider, and you're absolutely right. There is no simple answer, Paul, but I think that having the conversation and having it in an open way instead of you know going back and forth and yelling at each other about this issue is not the way to go. So you're right. There is no simple answer. Agreed. We don't know the answer, but Look, we're never going to know it. Else, and- awareness, if nothing else, the fact that you're bringing the issue up and people are talking about it, if nothing else, it puts it out there so that maybe somebody will step up if they see a family member or if you're a cop. If you see somebody going the wrong way on this thing, you can raise the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Paul Morrow, great insight. And also, we appreciate the technical aspect uh, you gave us as an attorney and retired NYPD inspector. Thanks, as always, for being with us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. Anytime, Paul. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.